Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are y'all ready for the Bible today? All right, I'm going to open up this morning with Matthew 6, verses 20 and 21. It says this, But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy. I love words like vermin. We don't use the word vermin enough. That's just a great word. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, would you all say treasure? Where your treasure is, there your heart uh, will be also. I've got some, I brought an um, illustration for you guys today um, that I've been working on in my head for about two months, so I'm kind of glad to share it with you because some, you ever have something in your head and you're like, okay, it's time to like just do that and keep on moving. I've been thinking about this concept of where your treasures are, and I've been thinking about like all the different places that um, our monies go to in life. And uh, it seems like the older we get, the more buckets there are for your finances, right? It's like uh, we have bills today that, that did not exist years ago, right? Um, and, you know, we have all these, these places. We, and some of them, you, you don't have any choices. For instance, the tax bucket, right? If you are skipping the tax bucket, you need to repent, um, <laughs> And uh, I can show you the scripture. Jesus is all about paying your taxes. I know you're very disappointed in Jesus, but he's going to save your life, so stop that. Um, so you got the tax bucket, you know, not many choices there. You have things like, you know, power and utility and things like that where, like, you know, you, you probably want power in your house. You probably want running water in your house and those kind of things. But then there are, there are other buckets in our lives where, like, we do have a choice, um, and in, for instance, like the entertainment bucket, right? You've got the, uh, whatever your subscription of choice is, the vacation bucket. Hopefully you're getting away and taking some time off. But, you know, vacations are a choice. It's the right choice. We affirm that choice. Um, hobbies are another one where, you know, the, the amount we put into the bucket and things like that is, is up to us and we have say over that. And so, you know, just the buckets start to add up. Y'all ever notice how the buckets start to add up, right? And then you have other buckets that are kind of like, um, they're must-haves, like you need them, like clothing. Thank you for wearing clothes today. Um, that was funnier to me and Elizabeth than it was to the rest of you. We're a little stiff this morning, huh? <laughs> Some of y'all are, are image thinkers, and you're just like trying to get out of that. I appreciate that, and that was much, that's on me. Forgive me. Um, but there's a, there's a, there isn't a choice, but then there also are choices in some of these areas because it has to do with our standard of living, standard of living like um, our shelter, right? You need shelter, amen, right? You need to have clothing. We've covered clothing and very well, actually. And um, food, you know, we all need to eat, right, and, and that kind of thing. And it's like the, in those areas, it's like you've got you got to have it, and then there's also your own kind of like standard of living and, and where you are with those kind of things. And you also have um, buckets that are kind of a choice, not a choice, should be a choice like your retirement, like you should save for like what's coming, you know, in your, in your life because we, we want to have you around for a really long period of time, right? Proverbs 13, 11 says that, you know, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. And you know, it's just, 
as I was thinking about this and thinking about us for a while, I kept thinking about like, there are so many buckets, right? And I think a lot of times in life, we think like we don't have any control over any of the buckets and we have probably more control than we recognize over those buckets, right? But there's one bucket that I've, I've left out um, intentionally to talk to you about and that's your giving to the Lord. Now, I'm glad that the men's conference is not this weekend because if I went to the men's conference, they would say, what'd you do this weekend? It's like, I crafted. So this is my gold bucket. Did you all see my gold bucket? I painted it myself out in the yard because I like crafting. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with cra- But when I first did it, did it, I was like, it looks brown to me. It's really gold. It's like some fancy gold kind of thing. Um, but you know, this, that bucket is your, your giving to the Lord, right? And it really is different than the other bucket. It kind of, it stands on its own because there's something very special and unique and eternal about that bucket, right? And there's something about your expression of worship um, to the Lord with that bucket. Clunk, clunk, I'm getting there. Um, There's something about your expression of your worship to the Lord and your honor to the Lord. Last week, we talked about this concept of first fruits. And if you missed it, you can listen to the podcast or watch it online. But we talked about like this, this idea of first fruits, that the first part was considered the best part. And we talked about how like when they would have a crop or, uh, or an animal or those kind of things, it was like the very first was dedicated to the Lord because it was a way of honoring and worshiping the Lord. And we, we studied how like there's this place where even when they would give the first fruits offering, that there was this declaration that they would make. They would get up and they would basically tell the story and the history of Israel. You know, like, we were slaves in Egypt and God delivered us from it and he has brought us into this land and he's provided. As a matter of fact, this that I have is because the, the Lord has provided. And there was this declaration that was made before the priest in the offering that declared, this is who my God is, and this is who I worship. Now, I want to tell you that you know, there was competition for people's offering in the Old Testament because there were gods with a little g galore, false gods and idols and Baal and Asherah and that kind of thing. And so there was this, uh, these other gods who wanted the attention, the worship of God's people, and God was saying, I want your worship. And I want to be your God. I want to be the one that you pray to, and I want to be the one that you declare who you're declaring my story over your life. I want to be the one. You know, we use that phrase tithe and offering. A lot of us have heard that phrase tithe and offering for a long time. Tithe just means tenth. And tithe, when you when you look in scripture and you look in history as a whole, tithe, if you to, best understand it, it's really a tradition of the faith. And I'm going to unpack that for you. In the Old Testament, tithe was the word that described like the standard offering that the Israelites gave under the covenant of the law. Now, that's a, that's a mouthful. But what happened was um, it was part of this covenant of the law, but it was, there were several other offerings. There were all, tons of offerings. There was a sin offering. There was a free will offering. There was a peace offering. One person estimated that the average person in the Old Testament, if they gave all their gifts and that kind of thing, they were giving 18% to the Lord. 
And the tithe was basically that starting place, and they layered all those others. But it's important to note that it was part of this covenant of the law, which in the Old Testament was like a contract that God had with the people of Israel. And back then, those were rules and commands. They were not suggestions. Parents are picking up what I'm laying down, right? We have suggestions and then we have rules, right? Under that contract with God, there were these rules. And I want to I I show you something in Scripture of some principles that God points out about this tithe in this time when it was a law. And then we're going to back up and look at the tradition of tithe in Scripture and in life. Thank you for that. All right, Malachi 3. Are you all there with me? Malachi 3. If you're, everybody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew 3, verse 8 says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? Can I give you a little bit of a pet peeve of mine before we go on? Are you okay with that? All right. Pet peeve is a, a strong way of saying it. It's really common, like, to hear this scripture of robbing God during a tithe and an offering message in a New Testament church. And I always go, eh, because I'm going to show you that tithe is this tradition, a long-standing tradition in Scripture and in the early church and in the church today. But in this context, it was a law and a command, which is a little different, right? There's a whole bunch of laws and commands that Jesus fulfilled, Amen. And so I like the principles in this scripture, and even the concept of giving to the Lord is something we ought to do, but they were being told, listen, you were told to do this, and you are not doing it, and you are robbing God. Everybody following me? But there's really cool things in here. As a matter of fact, I've actually asked our offering people, please, when you're doing your offerings, use scripture, but please do not tell them they are robbing God in that thing. And people do it sincerely. I'm not trying to, like, trash brothers and sisters in Christ. I just have a challenge with that because I feel like it's the wrong way to motivate us and the wrong way to give us revelation about giving in the kingdom. Do you follow me? But you also notice, I have no problem talking about the tithe. I think the tithe is a great thing. I tithe. I highly recommend it. So we learned something in Malachi 3. In verse, it says, verse 8, the latter part says, but how are we robbing God? It says, in the tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. That's interesting. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there's not enough room to store it. I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops, and the vines in the fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So in this scripture, there were consequences, and there were blessings and promises. Y'all following me? There were consequences, and there were blessings and promises, which is very normal in a covenant. Covenants have promises in them, right? One of the consequences was they were under a curse for robbing God because God explicitly said, you're going to give this offering, you're going to give this offering, you're going to give this offering, you're going to give this offering. Now, when I say that, it sounds, well, man, was God like just in a bad mood back then? Was he harsh? Was he? No, 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 no. The whole system of the law was good and it revealed the goodness of God. The challenge was 
we were unable to do it. And God actually purposed that season of the law to show us that you can't earn it back. Y'all follow me? You can't be good enough. Y'all ever felt like that? Like, I can't be good enough? I try to do the right thing, and I'm not good enough to do the right thing? Like, the whole purpose of that covenant of the law was to display God's righteousness and His goodness, like, don't murder, and be nice to your parents, and like, all these, like, things that He laid out, you know, for us were to reveal His goodness and to reveal His nature, and Scripture is really clear. It's very good, but you can't do it. What is our solution? The better answer question is, who is our solution? And it's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who enables us to overcome evil. Jesus is the only one who can give us the ability to actually truly be good. And it's his righteousness in our life that we need. We cannot earn it back. Amen? And so, when we look into these Old Testament principles, there's so much that we can harvest from it and that we can learn from it, we just have to keep everything kind of in their order, right? And that's what we're doing with Scripture today. There were consequences. They were under a curse for robbing God, but there were blessings and there were promises. One of those blessings and promises was that God would throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing that was too large to store. Isn't that amazing? He was saying, I will increase your provision if you are faithful in this act of giving, in this act of worship. He also says, I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops and vines, uh, and your vines will not drop the fruit before they're ripe. In other words, God will protect the provision that you do have. And so what he's saying is, the Lord is saying is, listen, if you give me, you know, that tithe, this is what he's telling him in the Old Testament, I will give you more to put in the buckets. And all of Israel said, Amen. Y'all missed your cue. Let me try that again. The Lord said, listen, if you, if you will obey me in this tithe and this covenant and this, this rule that I have given you, I'm going to give you more to put in your buckets. Amen. He said, and your buckets won't leak, is what he's saying, because the pest won't devour it. Your, 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 your uh, barns are, are going to be able to hold it, and the vines aren't going to drop things before they're ripe. And things. Like, I'm going to protect the provision that you do have that you're putting into those buckets. And so there was this covenant between God and the people that he would provide it. And we also see in this scripture that God had a passion for his storehouse. Uh, and I'm going to explain what his storehouse is. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food for my house. Now, follow me. What he was saying is, when people are passionately following me in the Old Testament and under the covenant of the law, they're going to obey or do their best to do these things, right? They would bring their tithe, and one of the places the tithe would land is in the storehouse. And that storehouse would, pray for, would, would go to the Levites, and it would go to the priest, and it would go to the widows, and it would go to those in needs, and it would go to the, the foreigners. It was the way that God and his kingdom would provide for needs because his people were giving. You follow me? And he's saying, listen, when my people's heart is full of worship and they are tithing and they're doing this thing, I'm going to have plenty in the storehouse to do these things that I want to do in my kingdom. And there was always this tie in the people's hearts between when they would return to God, because you all know that the story of Israel in the Old Testament was up and down and up and down. We cry out to God when we need help, and then we, we see the backslide and we need... That's not your life, I know. 
we're all much better than that. But when they would be restored, one of the things they would restore is like, man, we're going to take care of the priesthood and we're going to take care of the storehouse and we're going to take care of the foreigner and the widow and that kind of thing. And so a passion for God translated into a full storehouse and God doing the work that he wanted to do and valuing his ministry. And it was very practical because that, those priests and everything, they were the ones who were preparing everything so that when they came to worship, everything was ready to worship kind of thing. And so the Lord makes this comment, which is a very unique comment in Scripture. He says, test me in this. Now, if you're following along, normally God is the test giver, not the test taker, right? Like, normally he's testing us. But he actually says to his people, he's so bold about this, this, this giving and this, this generosity thing with them, and he says, test me. That's a bold move for God to even allow us to think in terms of testing him. And I, you know, I want to encourage you, maybe you've never tithed or maybe you've never had like a regular kind of like, it's one of my buckets just like everything else is one of my buckets where it's like it's on the table and with everything else and a normal thing that I'm contributing in as my act of worship. And hopefully last week we talked about the concept of first, putting God first, right? We didn't talk about quantity, we talked about first. And what do I want to be in that bucket or in that place. So here's my challenge to you. If you've never done that, I encourage you to take God at his word and go, all right, I'm going to test you. I would do it gently. I wouldn't like do it arrogantly with the Lord. But say, I'm going to test you. I'm going to do this tithing. I'm going to do this giving. And I'm going to see where I am 30, 60, 90 days from now and just see what happens. I cannot tell you over the years the stories I've heard where people said, you know what, I just felt like I needed to take the step in regular giving and in in setting aside something for the Lord, and here is what the Lord did. He increased my supply, or he saved me money in this realm, or nothing changed, or there, you know, just God showing himself to be God, amen? Some, like I said, some teach it as a hard, fast rule, and Honestly, one of the reasons why I don't teach the tithe as law, which is offensive to, to some people, is, is just because theologically, when I look at it, I see it as this long-standing tradition, but not law, which is an important distinction. Because um, often with traditions, we continue them, right? And we do them, but we do them why they were being done, not just because they're traditions. Follow me? And so uh, let me tell you what I mean by the fact that it's a tradition. One of the examples of the, of the tithe before the law ever happened was Abraham. Abraham, he went and he had this battle against these four kings, and he won. And he met these two kings, and one of the kings who came to him to bless Abraham after this battle was this guy named Melchizedek, which is one of the coolest names in, the, in Scripture. I just think it's an amazing name, Melchizedek. Um, but if you name your kid Melchizedek, they're probably going to call them Mel. So think it through. Before Somebody's going to nickname your kid Mel. Um, so maybe that's why you don't hear Melchizedek a lot. But Melchizedek was like this, he was a mysterious character in the Old Testament. Because when he came to bless Abraham, it says that he was a king and a priest, which was very unique. 
And there's a lot of theology between king and priest. That's who Jesus is. We are called to be kings and priests. There's, there's a whole lot of theology, but it's the first time you see this principle of king and priest, and it's in this Old Testament scripture in Genesis. When you look into the New Testament in Hebrews, it says that Melchizedek was without genealogy. Well, how does a king not have a genealogy? How does a person not have a genealogy? You follow me? And most people believe that it is probably an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. It says that Abraham was so overwhelmed with the greatness of who Melchizedek was that he just, on the spot, gave him a tenth of everything that he had. And this is the way that Hebrews describes this offering of Abraham, this tithe, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth. Isn't that wild? And he gave it to him because it was an act of worship because of the greatness of who Melchizedek was. Fast forward just a couple um, generations, and Abraham's great-grandson, Jacob, also practiced the tithe. Here's what happened with Jacob. Y'all heard of Jacob's ladder? So Jacob, what happens, he goes to sleep one night, and he's, he's left his family, and he's kind of on this alone journey, not knowing what's going to happen with his life. And he comes to a place that he would later call Bethel, which means house of God. He calls it house of God because when he goes to sleep that night, he has this dream of angels and, uh, ascending, and I almost said angels and demons, angels ascending and descending this stairway to heaven. Y'all are thinking, I just thought that was a cool song. No, it's in the Bible. And so he saw that, and God um, spoke to him, and he covenanted with him. In other words, he made a contract with him. And he said, Jacob, I'm going to watch after you. Jacob, I'm going to take care of you. And this is how it says it in Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. Now, let me hit pause for just a second. These words are really important because Jacob has just left his family because he stole his brother's birthright because he wanted the blessing of his father, Isaac. And his mom is like, you better get out of town because your brother Esau is about to take you out. Like, you need to go. So he's in, on this lonely journey, and he's leaving, and he's wondering, like, am I going to be able to eat? Am I going to have, like, what I need? Like, he's just out there, Right. And what he's saying is like, God, if you're going to be with me, if you're going to watch over me, if you're going to make sure there's food on my table and my family's table, you're going to look after me. This is verse, what it says in verse 21. So that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, which means Bethel. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And so this is what Jacob blurts out. He's like, oh, you're going to take care of me? You're going to make sure I get back safely? Well, then you will be my God, which is actually the most important part of the verse. You, you alone will be my God. And then he follows on later and says, and I will give you a tenth of everything I have as an act of worship to you. So we see Abraham and it, you don't see Abraham like, he wasn't told to tithe. It came out of him because of the greatness of who Melchizedek was. With Jacob, you don't see God telling him, you need to tithe. 
you actually see Jacob going, like it's his response to the covenant is I'm going to give. It's like Jacob says, I got a new bucket. Here we go. And he, he pulls out, this bucket is the bucket of a tenth of everything that I have that's going to go to the Lord. It would be after Abraham and after Jacob and in the time of the covenant of the law that all of Israel would be tithing as part of the law. And the reason that I call it a tradition is because the early church continued to tithe, and even church today, we continue to talk about the tithe and the offering. And I, it's the first time I've used the, the specific phrase tradition because tradition has to do with what's been done and why it's been done. And that reality is there's a long tradition that reaches back to Abraham and comes all the way into today. Now, some of y'all are Bible scholars, and you say, okay, but Pastor Mike, I want to do what the early church did. Well, I have a verse for you, okay? In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, you know, this is after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and everyone's come to Christ, and they're all there. There's 3,000 that were added to that day. By the way, a bunch of people who had lived all over Rome decided they were going to live and stay in, in uh, Jerusalem and be the church, and they basically said, all right, we're now in Jerusalem. Let's get our zip code, and let's get, you know, our, our SIM and our cell service set up and all that, and they, they decided to become part of the Jerusalem community to be part of the early church. This was their giving standard. In verse 44, it says, All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Normally, when you read that, most people go, I like tithing. <laughs> I, I like that standard rather than selling everything I have and having it in common. But I wanted to show you where it is in the New Testament for, for the sticklers who are like, well, I, I want to do what... All right, you can do that. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, some of y'all are like, oh, he got a little snarky. Thank you. I don't have many opportunities to be snarky. Don't you get it? People expect me to be good and do the right thing. You got to give me my moment. Right? Thank you. I want to bring it back to this heart principle, and I love what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 19. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And can I be as so bold as to say, um, you know, we all have to steward what's in our hand. You can't steward something that's not in your hand. Right. Amen? And there's a lot of buckets, and let me be clear. God wants you to eat. Thank you for being clothed. Pay your utility bill. Have a shelter. Like, God is our provider Amen. We don't feel guilty about these buckets, even like vacation and energy. Like God is a good God to you, and He loves us and takes care of us. Amen. But there is a there is a proportionality of how we think about where is my treasure, right? And you've, I've heard it said back in the day when we all used checkbooks. If you look into somebody's checkbook, some of you all just uh, I still use a checkbook. I apologize. Um, <laughs> a little early for that. I'll roll that out in a few years. Um, <laughs> I can look at your bank statement. Let's go to something everybody has. Like, well, mine's online. All right, get out of your head. So, and you can see where our treasure is. You can see where it goes, right? I'm not saying that to guilt you because that's not 
honestly how I operate. I'll challenge you, but I'm not going to guilt you, okay? But we have to be intentional. What do I want in these buckets? And what do I want in that bucket? What is, what's in my heart for the Lord for that bucket? Honestly, it's not the number that matters. It's the heart that matters. God is way more into proportion than he is into total number. I love the widow who gave her last mite, and Jesus is like, she gave more than them all. And everybody's like, but it was only a mina. It was only a little bit. It was only, it's like, no, 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 no. Don't you see? She gave out of her need, and she gave out of the last thing that she had. She's given more than, and he, I'm sure he used Gucci in English, she gave more than all y'all. And there was something beautiful about that act, and it was an act of worship. So don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And the reason it says treasures in heaven isn't because like there's some bank account that correlates to your gold bucket. It's because what we're doing in that gold bucket has eternal consequences. Y'all follow me? There's something eternal about the gospel going around the earth. There's something eternal about the kingdom work that's going on. There's something eternal about building gaga ball pits that draw teenagers out to have a lot of fun to hear the gospel of Jesus, right? I mean, there, when, you, when we think about these things, it's not the stuff. It's the God who is here and with us and the message that he has given us that saves people's lives. That's eternal that's treasures in heaven. That's we all get there and we go, look at what God did in and through us. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't say this to condemn you. And if you're feeling like, like super uncomfortable and like, man, he's after me. And he's like, no, that like, I'm not, no one's after you. Don't, don't let heaviness and condemnation come on your life. Let God say, here's how I want to steward your finances. And it needs to be something from your heart. God loves a cheerful giver, not a begrudgingly bill-paying giver. Y'all follow that? So your buckets talk about your priorities, and they talk about your worship. And I just want to encourage you that what you do, do it with intention and do it, and do it with a, a spirit of this is for the Lord. I know, you know, when I first came to Jesus, because of, I had grown up in a Christian house, I was like, the tithe was like so automatic. Like you didn't even talk about it. It was just like, okay, you're going to tithe and you're going to give some kind of offering to just honor and bless the Lord kind of thing. Wherever your standard is, do it with faith and do it as worship unto the Lord. I think one of the godly things is to, the desire in the heart to say, I want to see that bucket get bigger and bigger as I get older and as I move through life, right? And some of my financial goals in life have been, take care of this so there can be more in that while never neglecting that. Amen? I want to um, tell you today that if you're here today, and you know, we're talking about giving, which is a Christian principle and a worship principle and important. And to be honest with you, I don't talk about it nearly often enough. And so, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm taking a couple weeks in a row to talk to you about it today. But I want to tell you today that if you have not called 
upon Jesus as your Savior. Your giving to Him isn't what I want to talk about. I want to tell you that He gave to you first. We took communion today. He gave His life for you. And He didn't give His life to you so He could get 10% out of your checkbook. I promise you that. He can, he can do whatever. He, he, he's good. Like His like long-term incentives, it's all, He's good. He's so good. But He gave to you first because He loved you first. And He gave to you first because He wants to save us all from ourselves. And we all come to like that place in our lives where we realize that being the master and commander of our own life isn't working. For some of us, it takes a whole lot to get there. We go through a lot of pain before we go, okay, God, I think turning my life over to you is worth it. For some of you, it's just so easy for you. Like really young, you're just like, I'm just going to turn my whole life over to you. And that is a testimony, and we are proud of you. But if you're here today and you go, I need to turn my whole life over to Jesus. I just want to encourage you, today is the day, October the 23rd, 2022. Today is the day to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. The thing is, all the shame that you're carrying, all the guilt that you're carrying, that sense of powerlessness, of just not being able to do it in life, he took all of that to the cross to remove your guilt by putting it on himself, to remove your shame by letting the shame come on him, and by that powerlessness that comes through sin. He took that powerlessness to the point of death, but that's not the end of the story. He rose from the dead and overcame all those things, and that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead can be in your life and give you new life. It is, it is not a religion of, I accept the truths. It is a faith of, I receive Jesus into my life. And no one's going to make you do it, but, I, but the opportunity is there. And I want to tell you, for me, best decision I ever made in my life. If you haven't made that decision or you need to make that decision, or maybe you backslid from that decision, will you come and let me know and let me pray with you? Um, for your relationship with Jesus to have a, either a fresh start or a start today. If you're watching online and you're like, I need Jesus in my life, go onto our website because we want to reach out to you. Go to victorychristian.church, click on next steps, give us your information and I will reach out to you because it is the game changer for your entire life. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray um, over our buckets Amen? I'm going to give you another shot at that. I'm going to pray over our buckets. Amen? All right. And then the other thing that I would do is once I close prayer, if you need prayer, if you're online, you just email us. But if you're in the room and you need prayer, the prayer team will be up here. It could be for anything going on in life or for someone else. Come up here and we will pray and we will intercede for you in faith. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, we have uh, no shame or apology about the principle of giving, of tithing, of offering, and even the tradition, Lord Jesus, that's been in our faith for centuries and centuries. But Lord, we just lay our buckets before you, and God, we, in doing that, first have to say, we recognize today that on the planet, we are some of the richest people on the planet. Uh, that there are a lot of people 
that if they compared their buckets to ours, they would, they would just go, you are so rich. And we recognize that we are blessed and we thank you for how blessed we are. God, I pray, Father, that when it comes to our buckets, Lord, that you would speak and lead and provide for every single one. We thank you, God, for the blessings in our lives, but Lord, may what we do and how we use the resources you put in our hands, Lord, may it be before you, may it be intentional, and may it bring glory and honor to you. May it please your heart. We don't want to be a people who operate in guilt, but we absolutely want to be a good stewards who operate in faith and who honor you with our giving, who really worship you through what you've put in our hands. Lord, you have made us a generous congregation, and I thank you for that. I thank you, God, for the lives that we do not see that are blessed because of what you've put in this storehouse, whether it's little projects like Gaga Ball Pits or massive projects like serving people in Haiti and in Central Asia. God, we thank you for all the work that is getting done. Lord, may we, when we re- retire finally and come to heaven, may we say, Lord, that yes, we have stored up treasures in heaven. Lord, because that is where our heart is. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.